do you want to fight, live to fight another day and feel crappy about a particular decision? Or do you want to, do you want to vote your uh, conscience and, and, and get, get thrown out of office? And so I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. That was John Kilwine, the political science chair at West Virginia University. I got to talk to him about the political dilemma every politician had to deal with. He's asking the age-old question, in any political decision or controversy, how should a politician respond? By going with their gut about a particular issue, or responding to that issue by how their constituents would want them to respond, in order for them to remain in power. How can we understand politics, especially in a place as foreign to Northerners as West Virginia? As a senior at Mamaroneck High School taking journalism, I got the amazing opportunity to actually travel to West Virginia and focus on the specific topic. I was able to interview and poll people in the streets in order to find how true West Virginians felt about this issue, as well as talking to a professor and a radio show expert. I wanted to investigate the question Kilwine poses in depth during my trip and get answers from real live constituents. Joe Man. It was upsetting for many for myself and for many of my it's friends. Political, but isn't there look at the whole pitch. Politicians perfect. I will say that I'm like a middle of the road. No, yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. think so. West Virginia is unique in that sixty-eight percent of the population is Republican, but their incumbent, Senator Joe Manchin, is a Democrat. It's also an especially unique state in that there is a clash between economic liberalism from the buildup of unions and a strong sense of social conservatism. I wanted to see how this unique political dilemma affects how Manchin makes decisions. On one hand, in order for Manchin to maintain control of his Senate seat, he has to have the strategic power to work across the aisle and make compromises with people who have opposing political beliefs while maintaining a calm disposition. On the other hand, if Manchin wants to make political decisions based on what he truly believes is right, he may end up in a situation where he angers a bunch of his constituents who don't agree with him. The more I thought about this during my trip, the more I realized that all politicians have to deal with this dilemma. But with recent events and the midterm elections that were coming up, Joe Manchin had to make one of the toughest decisions yet to confirm the then Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. The Honorable, the Chief Justice and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. All persons having business before In order to understand Manchin's decision, we need to go back to September 27, 2018. Christine Blasey Ford, an American professor of philosophy and a mother, testified on the Senate floor against Justice Brett Kavanaugh for accused allegations of sexual assault. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from yelling. This is what terrified me the most and has had the most lasting impact on my life. It was hard for me to breathe, and I thought that Brett was accidentally going to kill me. The testimony was a colorful example of the overwhelming mix of evident truths that make up 2018. Polarization, sexual assault, a woman's memory, and what America's values really are. After hours of heart-wrenching testimony and weeks of debate, the Senate came to the conclusion that they would vote to confirm Kavanaugh as the next Supreme Court justice. Mr. Cain. No. Mr. Kennedy. Aye. Mr. King. Now you may be thinking, how did this happen? 
Well, it all comes down to logistics. If we take a closer look at the political makeup of the Senate, we can see that there are 51 Republicans and 49 Democrats, with Republicans leading by a razor-thin majority. The vote essentially came down to the few senators that don't always necessarily vote with their party. One of those key senators, our man, Joe Manchin. What made his decision so hard? The fact that he was up for re-election on November 6th, and with the whole Ford-Kavanaugh testimony being so ultra-politicized, Manchin was walking on a very tight rope between the polarized political climate and who he actually believed was telling the truth during this testimony. He knew his decision may have not been the deciding vote, but it would be a symbol that would live with him and his political legacy forever. Americans and politicians alike have been in a craze about what her words mean for the future of our Supreme Court. What we don't realize is that one ripple in the political system can cause a splash of political repercussions in the future. Everything political and not so political about this testimony with Kavanaugh has affected the political current of the midterms and has even poured into the revamped ideology of the hashtag MeToo movement. If we take a closer look, it appears as though there's an enigma at the heart of how political strategy affects everything, especially in Senator Joe Manchin's case. The question I want to ask is, did he come to his decision by representing his state's beliefs, or did he ignore his own beliefs in order to save his political career? And which is more important in today's political climate? I needed to go to the heart of the political agenda, the people. Democracy and all its flaws are what allows for political issues to essentially be resolved by the general public. I needed to know how West Virginians with varying political opinions truly felt about Manchin's choice. How was this going to affect his election? I needed to first talk with people who knew politics like the back of their hand. And that's why, prior to the trip, I emailed political science professors at West Virginia University, government workers, and journalists, hoping to find out Joe Manchin's fate in the midst of this political dilemma. I had to start local. So the first days of my trip, I focused on people on the streets and vendors working in mom-and-pop shops. People were generally quite friendly, but I realized a problem in my investigation from the moment I started. Apathy. Right off the bat, nearly an hour after I arrived in Morgantown, I talked to some students from West Virginia University. There was one girl wearing a bright colored beanie and two boys. They looked like average teenagers, laid back and casual, so it was easy for me to approach them. I prefaced by explaining the background behind Manchin and Kavanaugh, and then asked them a simple question. You know Joe Manchin, the senator of yeah. West Virginia? Um, he, he was like the only Democrat to support Kavanaugh. So what do you think about that decision? Like, do you have anything to say about that? How do you, as a constituent, feel about this? About Manchin being a Democrat, going against his party, but maybe with good reason. The responses I got, however, were nonetheless shocking. I feel like, I've been talking about it with my classmates too, we all kind of agree that it's pretty stupid to just switch sides to get more voters. Uh, all the politicians from West Virginia are whack, and I grew yeah. up here and I know that. This state is just so right. far gone. I don't know how people stay sane listening to West Virginia politics. After talking to these kids, I realized that I didn't truly know what I got myself into. 
or what I was actually looking for. I wanted analytical thinkers. I wanted to see the people of West Virginia struggle with my question because it's a hard one. But struggle because it's important, not because they feel like something is stupid or whack. It was evident to me that I was talking to young voters in a college town surrounded by people who may think on issues solely based on one side. I've had experience with this in high school. Some people tend to repeat what their parents taught them about politics, especially when they are young and haven't had time to fully develop their own ideas and not give much thought about the thought that goes into decision-making. It wasn't ignorance, it was apathy, and their answers did have value, but I wanted to see how age could make a difference in the analysis of Manchin's performance. As I ventured around the quaint area of Morgantown more, I came across an area of boutiques and mom-and-pop shops, a perfect place for vendors who may have lived in West Virginia their whole lives and have a closer connection with Manchin and the way he operates. I asked one young woman named Mary, who worked in a coffee shop, what she thought about Manchin's support of someone accused of sexual misconduct as our next Supreme Court justice. At first, she seemed a little shy, but she was very sweet. She responded by saying... That kind of makes me feel like he's like, he doesn't care about women at all, you know? It kind of makes me feel like he's like trash. She went straight to accusing Manchin of being a horrible woman hater. But part of me understood by her body language how raw she felt. Now don't get me wrong, maybe Manchin's choice to support a man who was accused of sexual assault makes it seem as though he doesn't care about women. By the same token, this is a harsh and exaggerated claim. Is it fair to say that after the decision he made, he should be considered complete trash and against women? I'm not exactly sure, but what I do know is that the beginning of my investigative research in West Virginia certainly lent itself to brash and one-sided conclusions. To go as far as to say that Manchin is complete trash after a politicized vote made me concerned about the rest of the answers I was going to get from the electorate. Sure, there would be jaded remarks, I figured, but not like this. Were people not going to consider possibly why he would make such a controversial decision in the first place? After giving my spiel about my topic, I asked, So I was just like wondering what you thought about that, or if that changed your opinion on him at all or anything. Well, it kind of sucks, but I mean, you can't really do anything about that. That's yeah. his decision. The other person that's running is right. a lot worse. So it's not really the choice that we have. This girl, who ran a jewelry store, answered similarly to the other couple of young adults and teens that I met along the way, which I thought was interesting. By then, it felt like I nearly talked to everyone in that town, almost as if I've used up all my investigative power for that college town. I was ready for my next challenge, my next constituent, my next story. (laughs) After concluding the first day in Morgantown, we took a two-hour bus ride to Charleston, the city capital of West Virginia, a seemingly semi-quiet city with the golden-domed state capital at the confluence of two rivers. I was hoping to get a wider range of answers with a focus on how people really felt about Manchin's complicated decision and how they may have struggled with it or agreed with it. Instead, I got more students who were almost surprised at what was even happening in the political world. I talked to three students in a small but lively coffee shop located in the heart of Charleston. So you know Joe Manchin, the senator of West Virginia, he support he was the only democrat to support Kavanaugh. So I was just wondering what you thought about that. Didn't know about that. So 
kind of regret voting for him now. So, oops. Okay. I would not have voted for him. But the opponent is not. I mean, I just probably would have just ex not voted him. <laughs> Which I don't. I don't know what I would have done, but probably if I could have had a better alternative, I probably wouldn't have voted for him. I also didn't know about it. Did you know about this? Those last words stuck with me. She didn't know that this confirmation even happened. What does that mean? Was my topic not important? Was I not reaching the right people? Was I looking at the wrong demographic altogether? Or maybe this confirmation hearing didn't impact people as much as I thought it would. Maybe people just vote for the candidate they trust, regardless of their history. Maybe politicians can get away with a lot and still remain victorious. Or maybe people simply don't follow politics anymore, even with a scandal like sexual assault and the fate of our Supreme Court. For someone like me, being deeply invested in political issues, this whole event seemed important and possibly life-changing for people in the future. It was hard for me to understand why people didn't care. Now, I'm not saying these students are wrong, but I wanted to get an opinion on why Manchin did what he did, which may have to come with the price of more years involved in the political scene. That's when I was able to get in touch with some older folks who get how West Virginia politics work. He grew up in a one-horse town. Wasn't much to do since all them So let's get back to my question after knowing what students thought about the whole issue. Why did Democrat Joe Manchin choose to support Kavanaugh, even with all that politically implies? And what does this mean for voters? How are they going to choose to use their political voting power after Manchin's choice? When I finally got to interview John Kilwine at West Virginia University, I was finally able to get to the analytical side of the issues Manchin really had to face during these past few months and the repercussions they had. We sat down together in a neat recording booth the university offered in order to get the best sound. And that was where I was able to discover the politics behind the senator's decision. Kilwine was quite friendly and obviously knowledgeable on the subject, so I was happy I finally got to speak with someone who knew and studied the political science behind elections and confirmation hearings, etc. So, do you think Manchin made the right decision from a political standpoint? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the, the national media overestimated, and he still could lose, but I think the national media overestimated how vulnerable he was. But... I do think that he he made his life a lot easier in terms of getting reelected by voting for Kavanaugh. And so um, I think he probably made, if it wasn't the decision he had to make, it was the decision that was going to be probably most beneficial to his reelection. In this way, Kilwine was starting to walk me through the analysis of what exactly was going to happen in Manchin's electorate based on his vote for Kavanaugh. Kilwine explained how Manchin's chances of getting reelected greatly increased after his vote because of his moderate Republican base. We also got to talking about the struggle most politicians have when trying to balance striving to get reelected and making their electorate happy and doing what they personally believe is right. Politicians have to do things that make him probably feel slimy and, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, um, you look at somebody like, uh, oh, no, what's her name, in North Dakota. I mean, oh, Heidi Heidkamp. Yeah. I mean, she laid it on. She had guts. That was a profile and courage. Now, you could argue, well, she looked at the polls and said, I'm going to lose anyway, so I may as well go out, you know, feeling like I have my, my, uh, my pride intact. 
When Kilwine mentioned Heitkamp, the now previous senator of North Dakota, who also struggled with trying to please a Republican electorate while being a Democrat, I thought about how hard Congress people have to work to try and respond to the requests of their constituents. As for Manchin, Kilwine claims that he is the type of congressman in which people believe. If I call up Joe Manchin's office and say, you know, I just found out my passport's uh, going to expire and I have to go to Germany on business. And, uh, you know, my guess is they're going to move heaven and earth to help me out. And that's why people, you know, call him Joe. A lot of people call him Joe. A lot of people feel like they know him. This is a small, this is a small population. So unlike Chuck Schuster, shoot. You, you know, <laughs> Schumer, yeah. you can't you, you know that Joe Manchin probably is, has has met, you know, a significant proportion of his uh, uh, of his um, of his constituency. Kilwine's words really hit me. It never occurred to me that a senator could be looked up to as a leader or possibly a friend to their electorate. I always thought of politicians as quite formal figureheads, not as people that could affect their electorate on a personal or possibly emotional level. When Kilwine said this, I also thought about how West Virginia does, in fact, seem like one big family, bonded by their pride they held for the state. This made me realize the importance of Manchin's ability to develop relationships with his voters. Yet, even with Manchin being close with his constituency, I wanted to know how his actions reflect what he stands for. In other words, I asked Kilwine, Is he the type of politician that is, like... Not he doesn't get as affected by the 2016 election. Like he's not the politician to really be like reactionary. He is. I mean, and you you do need to understand this about him. He is a right of center Democrat. Right. So he's not a liberal Democrat. Now, he's a Democrat. He's he's what I would call an old. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. He's an old union. He's an old union Democrat. So he cares about you know he cares about workers' rights. He cares about he he cares that probably that everybody has health insurance. That's a good union concept. Um, but when it comes to social issues, it's not necessarily going to be that, you know, the, the kinds of things that are hot right now. And so that, uh, so that, yeah, I don't, I don't know that, um, I don't know that, that the way he's voted is, he's, he doesn't, what you suggested, he doesn't get into fads. In fact, Joe Manchin was actually the governor of West Virginia from 2005 to 2010. So it made sense to me that Kilwine was stating Manchin's beliefs because it seems like Manchin has been able, over time, to really take a steady place in West Virginia politics, regardless of the commotion happening on the outside of his state. After discussing the details of who Manchin is as a senator, I wanted to get back to the question that essentially brought me to West Virginia in the first place. And um, how do you think this confirmation hearing uh, changed the shape of the midterms? So I think that for that, that part of the electorate, I think it just stoked him up. I mean, I don't know how you could watch, you know, Blasey Ford's testimony and not say, you know, that she's telling the truth. And, and you know, if, if I had if I were on the jury, I would conclude, well, probably the guy was so drunk that he blacked out and he did does, just really honestly doesn't remember it. But I, I, I totally believe that it happened. Right. And so um, I think for a, a core of voters on the left who were going to vote, were burning the vote anyway, it just it just stokes them up. Um, I also think. But I think it's dissipating. But I think it did work. And Trump, you know, say what you want about him. But this whole bit about, you know, how what am I going to worry about my son being accused falsely? And so I think that stoked up the Republican side. But it, it does seem like it's having a decaying effect. Kilwine was helping me dissect 
the impact that Manchin had, but I realized that there was a divergence of political beliefs in West Virginia, and I wanted to know where this divergence rooted from, which may help explain Manchin's unique political position. I asked, How can West Virginia have, like, a Republican governor, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, a Republican se- state senate? State legislature. Um, state legislature, yeah, and, but a Democratic senator. Where does that come from? West Virginia was always a Democratic state. Uh, they had a couple Republican governors along the way, but the legislature was always Republican. Uh, they had a—I'm trying to remember—they may have had a Republican in in the uh, D.C. delegation, but almost exclusively Democratic. You know, Robert Byrd, you know, the grand grand leader of the the Senate, and but again, they were conservative. They were conservative uh, uh, Democrats, and so what happened was what happened was that 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 number one. We talked, or no, your colleague talked about it. You know the decline of the decline of union jobs in the state. Well, unions were always, you know, those kind of small C conservative Democrats. So if you're not a union member, the likelihood you're going to continue to vote Democratic goes down in some in some political science literature. And basically, it's just been a bit by bit by bit uh, evolution. And so, um, one thing, one factor that uh, played a role in this was uh, was the election of Barack Obama. There was a fake war on coal. You know, there was an accusation that Obama wanted to, to end coal. You know, whereas it wasn't coal. You, when you go home, you'll or you maybe already done it. The fracking. You know about fracking? Yeah. Yeah. So the natural gas industry basically, gas was a lot cheaper than coal. That's why coal declined. But coal declined while Barack Obama was in office. When you mix in racial animosity, then there's a decline and decline and decline in support for 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 Democrats. And so what you have is you have a switch basically in the last in the last um, let's say the last eight years, and where mm-hmm. we went from a dem- solidly kind of purple Democratic state to now a very red state. This led me to think that Manchin seemed like a fairly practical politician, given West Virginia's political history. He plays the game with skill, something that can be very difficult and taxing. But I wanted to hear from someone like Kilwine, who lives in West Virginia currently, what they think about Manchin's true skill. Um, how has Manchin won the past two elections? Like, has he gone with this rhetoric of practicality? Yeah, you call it practicality, I like that, but I'd also call it, you know, um, unique West Virginianess, right? So that, that, that I, am, I am a true West Virginian. Whereas Joe Manchin, I, don't th- I mean, he's not going to hide that he's a Democrat, but by the same token, I mean, he's going to say, I'm Joe, you know me, I'm from West Virginia, I know how to represent this state. Talking to Kilwine allowed me to understand the complex issues surrounding Manchin's decision and understand that playing one's cards right may be the most important thing in any election, even with the baggage that comes with that. Kilwine was smart. He really knew his stuff. So talking to him was almost overwhelming in terms of the amount of information I was desperate to hold on to all at once. Similarly, it was really inspiring for me to talk to someone who is so well-tempered when it comes to something as heated as politics, but manages to keep his dialogue fairly nonpartisan and truly look at my questions from a political science angle before any political party. Similarly, in Charleston, I talked to an old married couple that was taking a stroll near the state capitol, and they wrapped up the sentiment that the older West Virginian population may feel about Joe Manchin as a whole. Joe Manchin already has a has a history with us, and we didn't base any our voting for him on that one incident. Mm-hmm. I was not real pleased, but I think I understood why he did it, and I, it was political, but isn't everything? <laughs> but um, no, it didn't change our 
our opinion of Joe. And he's done some good things. No politician is perfect any more than any other person. I think he cares about us. I think he's pretty fair-minded, and I think he'll work across the aisle. And that's what we need. I mean, this divisiveness is killing us. And, uh, you know, not, I'm not good with that. <laughs> she captured the essence of why I came to investigate this topic in West Virginia in the first place. How were the people going to react to this justice-altering decision? The people of West Virginia looked at the issue with a broad sense of acceptance, something that was truly inspiring for me to see. They felt so loyal to Manchin as a senator that they were willing to let slide a decision he made that may have made them feel a little uncomfortable. That showed me the power of trust within the realm of politics. Joe Manchin gained West Virginia's trust, so they knew that no matter what happens nationally, he will always be pro-West Virginia before anything else. From the flat plains of Ohio, we drifted out one day For the southern part of a journey Underneath the bridge, the Ohio River sang As we headed for the hills of West Virginia Lastly, I got to talk to another couple that dedicates their time in Charleston to the Democratic headquarters, where they work on getting Democrats reelected. Cautionary of this bias, I still wanted to get to know what this one particular man named Spud, who seemed to be really impacted by West Virginia and his own sense of pride for the state and religion. He also judged the whole mansion issue with a sense of understanding, which I was really impressed by seeing as his partisan beliefs could have stood in the way of how he was voting by possibly protesting Manchin and his decision to support Trump's nominee and therefore make the Supreme Court more Republican. Anything that people do, uh, they uh, impact your opinion of them. You know, I mean, some things uh, are really good, some things not so good, but uh, you have to look at somebody on their uh, whole body of work, you know, so... Uh, by and large with uh, Joe Manchin. Uh, he's been in there long enough that he's r rubbed the fur wrong on some people, And uh, but he is the best man for the job. I mean, he's, he can do more for West Virginians as a, an incumbent, long-time incumbent, than somebody who uh, the only reason they have run for office is for themselves, very selfishly. Expediency uh, uh, on his part, uh, he had to decide. And it was a gut-wrenching decision that he had, uh, had to make a decision on, and that was uh, the, the folks in my party, uh, they may not be happy with me, but stepping back and looking at it, He's got to see what's best for him so that he can do what's best for us. So you have to make a decision based on all the information you have at hand. Uh, hey, I'm going to vote this way, come hell or high water. West Virginia taught me to not judge people or their political opinions, but more importantly, 
I was able to investigate the true impact a decision can have on any election for any congressperson. Regardless of whether the people I met and talked to were choosing to support Manchin or not come election day, they were talking about his impact. Politicians have to be bold, but cautious at the same time. Going to West Virginia and analyzing the constituency, whether they were old or young, professors or workers, I really got to see the uniqueness of Manchin as a politician and how he plays the political balancing act. The final person I got to talk to was Roxy Todd, a lady working at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. She concluded my investigation by stating, He's not exactly your traditional Democrat. In some ways, he's really not a Democrat. He's kind of his own politician. I don't know if his decision would have been what it was if he wasn't facing probably the toughest election of his career. And that's when I realized politics is a drop that turns into a ripple that turns into a monstrous wave. In other words, Manchin had to scheme out his fate as a politician all while satisfying his constituents, all while working to be part of the national government. West Virginia was the first place where I really saw politics be used as a driving force to bring people together. And what I mean by this is that people's pride for West Virginia came with the same feeling of love for their senator. Joe Manchin managed to yield himself into a place where the thought of comfort took precedence over the feeling of disagreement. In other words, Manchin was able to map it out so that his stability in West Virginia's politics trumped his decision to support Kavanaugh on a federal level. Yet, with all this planning and thinking made by Manchin, West Virginians really seemed to stick by him, clinging to their bursting West Virginian pride, something I was surrounded with one night out to dinner. Your sense that through the political dilemma West Virginians continue to go through, West Virginia would always come first.